0: This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. Synodality is something that's talked an awful lot about in the church these days, but is never really defined. But what we know is that Francis and his various supporters in the Catholic media echo chamber have been trying to sell the laity on a new vision of the church, a reform of the church, and they tend to use troubling language like Conversion, to describe this proposed reform. A conversion to what precisely is never really defined. Today we might have an idea, and it'll be very familiar to you. One that comes from someone who is most likely a Jesuit priest writing at America Magazine, who puts the pieces together. It's not the most terrible sounding explanation until you realize what it would take to achieve this vision of a synodal church. It's worth noting that synodality was something done in the early church for a time, but abandoned because bishops got publicly accused of heresy on a pretty routine basis in those days at these synodal meetings, which should be food for thought for the modernists pushing this idea. There's a reason it was abandoned a long time ago. Synodality didn't work before, and it isn't going to work now. What seemed to work fine was the vision of the church of St. Pius V and the counter-reformation popes, but it's precisely that vision of a counter-revolutionary church the Synodal Reformers, and especially Francis, seem to just want to get away from. That much is clear from this piece by the probably Jesuit priest. Headline from America Magazine, a gentle warning for Pope Francis' critics and cheerleaders. The Synod is about conversion, not winning an argument. The author is someone calling themselves Bill McCormick, S.J. His profile picture shows him in a Roman collar, so I assume he's a Jesuit priest. So, Father Bill McCormick wants us all to know that the Synod is about conversion. A call to conversion for the individual sinner is, unobjectively, a good thing. And it would be a breath of fresh air under Francis, honestly, to hear that. But, unfortunately, it's not a call for the conversion of sinners per se, but a conversion of the Church. Given that the Church is the spotless bride of Christ, that's, you know, kind of a concerning call for Francis to be making. So, from Father McCormick's article, quote... The point of the synod, and more broadly a synodal way of the church, however, is conversion, and we desperately need that. The universal call to holiness should be at the center of our lives, putting us on mission to God's beloved throughout the world. Moreover, the cry for unity we hear throughout the synodal process is the same one being choked in too much of the debate, a sense of communion within God's saving plan for the world, one that allows us to transcend tired polemics, to move beyond our smallness and selfishness. Two of the most salient features of the U.S. debate around synodality are intimately connected. There is both strong division and a strong desire to overcome that division. When one reads the synthesis document from the U.S. synodal process, and no doubt from other countries and Episcopal conferences, it is easy to see that the wounds are deep and the pain is real. On the one hand, there are many issues at stake, including the Ted McCarrick problem, that came to light in 2003, the aftermath of the 2020 problem, inclusion of the divorce and remarried, and the welcoming of the James Martin crowd. These are real wounds, ones that make the simple practice of gathering, praying together, and listening to one another both urgent and seemingly impossible. On the other hand, at stake is not any one issue but a deeper question of who and how the church is called to be the people of god desire to draw closer to god and other in each other the document states but that is not the conversation being held right now End look the bishops in the chancery offices of the church in america and the broader western world have a lot to answer for in the aftermath of the events of 2020 stripping people of the sacraments making them watch the mass on television or on the internet, repeating the bizarre and frankly superstitious and evil orders of our rulers and being a willing party to their evil that year demands answers and accountability. But none will be had, not in this life anyway. So I agree with the Jesuit priest on that much in this article, but the demand for inclusion for the groups he mentioned is a non-starter because it demands changing church teaching on fundamental issues The church already welcomes the people he is talking about. They're just called to stop sinning. Scripture makes it clear that what things we're talking about here are non-starters. We are told to stop identifying with our sins and to embrace Christ. The people we're talking about here are truly called to conversion, as we we all are. The call for inclusion necessarily sets aside the call for conversion that every sinner is called to. Look, most of us don't advertise our sins and demand that the church accepts those sins as part of who we are. Most of us recognize that we are called to conversion, and we struggle to attain that conversion. That's what's lost on most people advocating for this stuff. But according to the priest, this comes from Francis, and it's a call for conversion of the church itself. From the article, quote, But synodality is not a process for strategically securing outcomes. The fruit of the synodal process is a more synodal church. To use the synodal process for intrinsic results is a betrayal of the communion Pope Francis is leading us toward. This is why leaders like Cardinal Michael Czerny have urged that the point of synodality is not predetermined outcomes. The Pope does not have prepackaged ideas to apply to the real world, nor an ideological plan of ready-made reforms, nor strategies conceived on the drawing board to obtain better statistical results. This is an important message for Pope Francis's cheerleaders as well as his critics. I've argued in the past that many of Pope Francis's defenders are looking for specific outcomes from his papacy. One can certainly hope for them, and one should, without a doubt, evaluate Francis's papacy as a ministry, but how many are willing to be converted by him? How many are willing to have their minds changed, to desire for something from this process that goes deeper than their pre-existing agenda? This is not to deny that the synodal process will result in concrete outcomes but those outcomes will overflow from how the conversion of synodality helps us to become better. Not because it gives us better policy prescriptions. It is clear from the debates over synodality that U.S. Catholics are far from united, and that in our all-too-divided way, we often weaponize synodality against others. Catholics' positions on synodality too often seem to line up with their prior ideological commitments. There it is. (laughs) If synodality does not lead to conversion, then it will only intensify rather than transcend our old and tired polemics. The primacy of spiritual reform is at the heart of Pope Francis' papacy and one of his deepest debts to the Second Vatican Council. In Evangelii Gaudium, he argues, The Church, as the agent of evangelization, is more than an organic and hierarchical institution. She is first and foremost a people advancing on its pilgrim way towards God. This is why conversion cannot merely be institutional, end quote. He then goes on to quote Francis in a time that Francis actually did call for evangelization and a call to conversion. But that was all framed in a call to, for converting the church to a synodal church, which is a more horizontal church where the bishops listen to the demands of the same laity who are widely talked about as being the worst catechized generation in history, and then listen to their demand to stop being so judgy despite the gospel telling people explicitly to go forth and sin no more. Synodality appears to be the further amplification of the concepts of accompaniment and dialogue taken to a whole new nasty level. Synodality is doubling down on the failures of the past by making more elements of those failures the focus of the church going forward. This sentiment is reiterated elsewhere in an article on the Global Sisters Report website. It's a news website for women religious. Headline. Pope Francis has called us to a new way of being church. Synodality is really about breaking the church away from her old, rigid ways of enforcing morality, and instead meeting people where they are, and then somehow getting them to live a better life, most likely in compliance with Francis's Laudato Si vision and things sort of attached to it, instead of being so worried about sins of the flesh. It's bizarre, given that it's not even recognizably Catholic vision for the church, when examined under the light of tradition. But here's what the sisters have to say on their news site. Quote But reforms anywhere must first begin by acknowledging that something is wrong and needs a course correction. The expression of that humble acceptance came in the first interview he gave to the Jesuit magazine America. Who is Jorge Mario Bergoglio? Father Antonio Spardaro asked. The answer came snappily I am a sinner. This is the most accurate definition. It is not a figure of speech, a literary genre. I am a sinner. In his acceptance speech, after his elevation a few months earlier, he had stated the same. I am a sinner, but I trust in the infinite mercy and patience of our Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder then that two years into his papacy, he announced the Jubilee Year of Mercy from 2015 to 2018. In that first interview, Francis outlined his vision for the church, saying, The thing that the church needs most today is the ability to heal wounds and to warm the hearts of the faithful. It needs nearness, proximity. I see the church as a field hospital after battle. It is useless to ask a seriously injured person if he has high cholesterol and about the level of his blood sugars. You have to heal his wounds. Then we can talk about everything else. Heal the wounds. Heal the wounds. And you have to start from the ground up. End quote. I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that Francis truly believes that. A true believer is one who is far more dangerous when given power than someone merely out for self-aggrandizement. It helps his case that much of what he says is built on true things. The true, the church is truly wounded in our time and has been. The Ted McCarrick problem was serious. The bishop's response not nearly as serious as, as it should have been with all their little Ted would-be Ted McCarricks in their dioceses starting with these bishops' unwillingness then and still now to acknowledge that most of the cases of the Ted McCarrick problem were of the James Martin nature and involved teenagers, which is the classic example of how that kind of evil works in the secular world. Now brought into the church because the church got very permissive on the question of who could be made a priest, made possible by the infiltration of the church described by Bella Dodd and Marie Carey in their respective books on the subject. What... Belladod's book is called School of Darkness, and Marie Carey's book is called AA 10, 1025 Memoirs of an Anti-Apostle. Check them out if you haven't read them. The bishops and the cardinals, and yes, even popes since the council, refused to acknowledge the true nature of this problem. Instead, now they focus on synodality, listening, dialogue, and of course, loosening the moral standards that stick at their consciences because of how they choose to live their lives or their personal inclinations that run afoul of church teaching, all done in the name of healing. Make no mistake about that either. The church of welcoming and dialogue and not reprimanding the sinner is one that requires a loosening of the teachings of the church that the world has trained most Catholics to disagree with the church on. We've seen consistently, time and again, the same teachings rejected by the synods at the diocesan and national levels, and even at the continental meetings. And now the church is gearing up for the world synod meeting to kick off in six months, here in October, and an American bishop has been given a key role in it, Bishop Daniel Flores of Texas. I'll have further analysis of the key members of the head of the world synodal body when those details are known, but for now we know that the bishops involved come from the U.S., Australia, and Mozambique, and that religious sisters from Japan and elsewhere are involved too, which is going to be interesting. What all that means for Catholic Orthodoxy, I really don't know, but this story is something I'll be following for you. And now finally, before we close this, I have a special personal request for you watching. My wife is due to go into labor and delivery of our third child in the coming days, thanks be to God. And after that has happened, I will do a live stream to make the announcement and maybe even bring the kid on. (laughs) But for now, I would love it if you pray that she has a safe delivery and that mom and baby's labor experience is by the book and that it happens soon. We don't really know when it's coming, but the signs are there. It would be greatly appreciated if you would do that. Now that all having been said, what do you think of this story? Does a new vision of a synodal church require the church to abandon her moral teachings in order to make the church more palatable to the world? Is this just another selling out of Catholicism to secularism? Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. As does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.